Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. My name is Jared Piles, and with me is Dr. Robert McDowell. We serve as support to faculty at the Center for Teaching and Learning here on our campus. We're hoping to serve you as well, wherever you are, as an instructor. And uh, we're reaching across the nation. We are. Welcome which, to the podcast. Which is crazy. Yeah. With people like in California listening. We added New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Yeah. I didn't think they had podcasts in New Jersey, but apparently they do. So shout out to my Amish brothers and sisters in That's Pennsylvania. Right. That's right. We're and, big in the Amish community. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we are wrapping up our series on tech integration, technology integration, the what, the why, and the how. Last episode, we gave you a big mental model of as you approach your instruction, how can technology help you with that with those three steps? In this episode, we're getting down to the practical aspects, and we're going to be sharing some of our favorite technology tools. Oh, yeah. So I'm real excited about. Me too. I think you should go first. Well, for each one of these, I want us to answer a what. What is it? Why do we use it? How do we use it? Okay, well. For each one of these. One of yours is Flip. It is Flip. Thanks for stealing my thunder, Rob. Yes, Flip. I love Flip. It's amazing. Any instructor I run into that I'm helping develop a course, I always throw Flip their way Mm -hmm. because I think it's an incredible tool, especially for online learning, but it doesn't have to be limited to online. You can do it in your face-to-face, outside of class. If you want to keep the interaction going, use Flip. It's an asynchronous video discussion tool. It integrates well with Canvas. That's our LMS here on this campus. It will automatically grade it for you. It'll come into SpeedGrader. I've used it in every course, and it, it allows for discussion to build as if it were in a face-to-face course. Like, I have seen students from across the country in my online courses interact with each other in ways that I didn't think was possible, and I don't think would have been able to be done in a face-to-face, mm-hmm. because it allows for them to record themselves, they can edit, they can add stickers if they want to be creative with it. Ooh. But you add, you create a prompt as an instructor. You can have a text version of it, but you rec- record a video of yourself and then they reply back with the video and then they can reply to the others with video. It is an incredible tool. Uh, I use it, like I said, for, for interaction outside of class. And I, how I use it, I use it at least once a unit. So I at least have some more interaction going because I can keep that going throughout the entire unit. I also use like a Q&A discussion if they have something they want to ask and I'm not available. They can just throw a video up and ask me a question. Either I can answer it or a student can answer it. So it kind of replaces the discussion board aspect Mm -hmm. of my course, my online course, and I do it in video form. And it is awesome. Yeah. So I hear you. I'm going to ask another question, a follow-up here. what are some of the gotchas when you when you use it? What are some things that you would say, watch out for this pothole? So it does require a bit of onboarding for your students. You've got to they've got to practice it. 
Sometimes it doesn't play well with an LMS, even though all the things could be in place. Sometimes it just won't show up. Um, you have to kind of follow the directions to a T. There's a little bit of flexibility, but if you want it to work to the best of its ability, you got to follow the support article in the way that it goes. It also requires your students to actually interact. And so mm. that's why I say it's important that you as an instructor do the videos yourself and make yourself out to look like a fool. Because the more you look dumb, the more they're willing to be willing to play dumb or be dumb as well. Like it really, like you can do a stickers and you can do a stupid, you know, uh, avatar for yourself as a thumbnail for the video and you put stickers all over your face. I, I, I go all out. Okay. I'm not afraid to make myself look dumb. It's not hard, <laughs> but you know, but I, the more you get into it, the more you're willing to interact with it and make it fun. It will, it'll bleed over into your students as well. Okay. So, your turn. so one of mine, um, is probably, I don't know, some, some folks are going to have an issue with it, but I know my wife does. Uh, we've had this ongoing, uh, uh, not argument, but discussion. Heated discussion. Uh, educational discussion. Okay. Grammarly. Oh. I, I, I can hear some, some breaking of records. Some, you know, somebody just threw their knee. Someone's at, monocle come out of their eye like yeah, a pop out. Somebody just threw their knee high orange soda down on the ground. You know, my wife's like, that's cheating. You're cheating. I was like, no, you're not cheating. You're actually learning how to write. All the suggestions that it gives you help you. You don't have to accept them all. You actually have to go through and look and see, is this accurate? Is this what I want it to say? Does this really make it more concise? Um, And so it's almost like having a teacher over your shoulder. Uh, You're writing. And instead of waiting, you know, I, I understand the drafting process, right? You go through your first draft. It's a rough draft. You're not doing necessarily grammatical editing. You're not checking for spelling, maybe. You're just trying to get things out. Get it out, get it done. Then you start going through the different rounds of editing. But this kind of speeds that all up for you and gives you instant feedback as you're writing. And I have found it personally extremely helpful. Um, I think it's extremely helpful, especially for those uh, whose second language is English and not their first, because it can help to teach implicitly, although you can get to the grammar rules and whatnot if you keep clicking um, that are behind it. Having students just use that across the board, number one, it also helps with plagiarism, uh, because it will check for plagiarism as you're you're writing. So if you take something and you paste it in from the internet or wherever it's going to see that, because their database is pretty big, and it'll tell you, hey, you probably shouldn't use that or you need to change it. Well, so I'm going to throw it back at you like you did me. What are, some, right. what are some potholes with Grammarly? Um, sometimes it does flake on you. It's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Pretty much anything you write now online, it can, it can be there. But sometimes it's also annoying because it has that circle it's got like an icon with a G and it kind of floats around the screen. And um, probably one of my most concerning issues now would be the fact that they've added ChatGPT to it. Students and anyone else could just have 
ChatGPT write something and then use their correction AI. So you basically have two different AI engines working with you now. I think you can head that off at the pass at least a little bit by saying what is okay to use and what isn't, but also saying we expect you to be honest about what you did use. All right, back to me. Yep. All right, I want to throw one of my favorites out there that I've discovered since COVID, right? Actually, I discovered it right before COVID. It's called Mentimeter, M-E-N-T-I-M-E-T-E-R. And it is a presentation tool that I initially found it before it started getting into education. It served as a, or it still serves as a presentation tool when someone's at a conference and they want to get interaction from their audience. So they, they boast that you can have up to four to 500 people wow. um, interact with this. So what it does, is it's, it's a slideshow that has interactive elements inside of it. Mm-hmm. So you've got um, survey questions, you've got open-ended questions, you've got multiple choice, true, false, a whole bunch of different ways of interacting. So I started using it in my slideshows. I, I got, went away from Google Slides and PowerPoint. And I strictly use Mentimeter now because it has some slide templates. And then you can integrate uh, questions into it. And the students see a QR code or they can interact via a link with a code you can provide to them. And they become up on their devices, either their phone, computer, whatever device you have through a web link. They can see the slides as you go through them on their device. Mm -hmm. So they can take notes. They can also interact. It gives them the prompt and there's a question coming up. You can have, you can make, you can gamify it. There's points involved in some of them. Mm-hmm. It's a game changer. Like it, it keeps my students on their toes. It keeps them interacting. They can ask questions throughout the entire, like when I went online for COVID, I could still have students ask questions just in the, there's a little um, question icon they can click and they can type. And I get a little notification on my end from the presenter side of things. That says are the question, and I can address it then. I can save it and address it later. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't interact. It doesn't interrupt my flow of me presenting. It's an incredible tool. I love it. I love Mentimeter. That so. sounds. It sounds very much like a tool my wife has really fallen in love with in in teaching Spanish in the K through twelve. Um, called Nearpod. Yes. Oh, yes. You ever heard of Nearpod? Oh, yes. I love Nearpod as well. So how does Mentimeter and Nearpod, you know, compare? How would you compare the two? So Nearpod, it's more interactive with the students. Like they can gesture, they can write on the screen. Wow. And it's more self-paced. Okay. You can create self-paced things with Mentimeter as well. Like you can send a slideshow to students for them to do, and they can go through it themselves and answer the questions, and you don't have to be there. but Nearpod is more of a, everyone has an iPad. Like when I used it, we would go through and we would have, everyone has an iPad. They have Nearpod open. And I gave them a segment of a poem and say, okay, identify the rhyme scheme in this poem. And they have the poem on their screen and they will gesture on the device and then they'll send me the results. So I'll have everyone's results there, but it's more gesture based. It's more interactive. They can highlight and stuff like that. Whereas Mentimeter is more meant for presentation mode. I need to have some formative assessment real quick. So they both do the same thing. Just the, 
the way the students interact is a little bit different. Where mm-hmm. in Nearpod, there's more gesturing that you can do. Mm-hmm. I believe in Nearpod, you can also, students can answer or they can ask questions yes. via the program. And then she could go and go to look at their screen. Mm-hmm. I did it with diagramming sentences with my freshmen way oh, back in the good. day. Oh, that's good. And they would ask a question. I would go look at their screen. Or you could have other students help out other students as well. Mm-hmm. Now, that can backfire. I had to pivot away from using Nearpod because I had students that were just purposely going into other p- students' work and just messing it up. And I'm like, great. So I can't <laughs> use this anymore because they found a way through. So that's one of the potholes you could say with Nearpod. Uh, Is, Ment- do you have the same issue with Mentimeter? No. There's no interaction between students okay. except for them both taking the, or they're all taking the poll at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mentimeter does have a paywall with it. Mm-hmm. The free version does allow you to have certain types of questions, certain types of slides, but if you want more options, you need to pay more. Mm. So, but I, I love Mentimeter. I think it's great. All right. Your turn. My turn. Probably I said it in the last uh, podcast episode, and that was. Canvas quizzes. I've used quizzes in the past, you know, starting with Moodle, WebCT, others uh, to create interactives. So you can, you know, create an interactive flow. Um, and I think even in Canvas quizzes, you can you can do things based on how they answer questions. Um, and you can put media files in there now. You didn't used to be able to do that. Yeah. You can do that. Uh, so you can really create more of a, a forced, it's a quiz, but you basically have them step through, step by step through your content, and you can have them do interactive, give interactive responses. You know, it could be that you want them to just reflect on, on a particular thing, and you get them to type it in, and they can't move on until they do. So those are... I, I like those tools because they're built in. I don't have to go sign people up for another mm. system, you know, teach them how to use the quiz tool, you know, unless they've just never used it before. But most students have used some sort of online quizzing tool. And so it becomes fairly apparent to most users pretty quickly. Oh, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I really like those. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Canvas quizzing as well. I think it's like you said, I love the idea of them having built off of previous answers to Mm -hmm. give them more questions. I think that's great. Big fan of that. All right, let's do one more each. We have a a ton of these, so it's going to be hard to pick one. But if I had to pick one that would immediately help instructors with integrating technology, it would be Adobe Podcast. Oh. I love... Adobe podcast. Now it's in, I guess it's still in beta, but I'm not sure exactly. But if you go to podcast.adobe.com, you can sign up and get access. It can take audio and it can clear out any kind of ambient noise. So you can create studio quality audio and you just upload it. And using AI, it just downloads it and you have a cleaned up, like I used my horrible webcam mic in my basement which is not sound treated or anything like that Mm -hmm. washer and dryer going full blast and i just threw in a quick blurb and had it try it out see what it cleaned it up it sounded like i was in a studio wow it's insane so i'm a big fan so you could have your if you're recording something as an instructor 
and you think, man, there's all, there's a, someone mowing the lawn outside or whatever it is. You throw it in there. The only thing I will tell you, though, is it completely deadens it. Like there is no ambient noise whatsoever. So I would go in and I would find a clean or a free tool like Audacity or if you have Adobe Audition or Pro Tools and add a little bit room reverb back into it so it sounds natural. If it just sounds like you're speaking inside of a coffin, <laughs> no one's the whole thing, the whole time people are going to go, are they inside of a coffin? But I would say Adobe Podcast is amazing. All right. Well, I'd have to say probably the thing that's um, in the forefront of my thinking for the past, oh, man, three months now? It's probably ChatGPT4. What's that? It's AI. Sorry, it's a joke. Similar to your uh, Adobe Podcast, which is also AI. It's a natural language processor. It's a generative uh, program, which I think most people probably have heard of by now. I would, uh, yeah. It's amazing, but it's also super scary at the same time. It's the only tech tool introduced so far that is useful, but also scary. Yes. It's, it will, it causes you like, wow. And then you're like, oh my word. And it's hard to explain until you actually experience it. If you've never experienced it, you yeah. don't get the why are they And this isn't chat cautious. this isn't chat GPT three point five. Right. This That's isn't the, the one version. that everybody can yeah. use. This is chat GPT four. It's on a different planet. I had it write a PhD paper with my mentor on on FaceTime with me. He didn't he didn't believe me. He didn't believe me that it was super scary. And I said Give me a prompt. Give me the prompt from, you know, what you're working on now. And it was a course that I had taken. So he told me the prompt. I recognized it. It was the same prompt that I, fairly fairly close to the same prompt I had to write. So I had already written a paper like that. And so um, I, I gave ChatGPT4 the prompt. And it was fairly involved. It did a phenomenal job. Like, he's sitting there reading it. In 500 words, he's reading it as it's typing it out. And he's like, oh, oh my goodness. Mm. Oh my goodness. And we get done and he goes, well, it didn't, you know, that's great and everything. That's cool. But, you know, where's the literature? It didn't cite its sources. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. I said, rewrite with cited sources, create a bibliography, APA 7th edition. Boom. It starts rewriting it. The citations were correct, every single one of them. They were they were placed within the right place. They were the right citations. They were some of the same ones I used in my paper, and I recognized every single citation that they mm. used. And then it gave the correct bibliography references at the end, and there was just kind of quiet <laughs> on the other side, you know. And he's like, can you, can you copy that, give it to me, and I'm going to, you know, share this with my colleagues. Mm. And so it's, it's, I think it's causing some people to just maybe, like, lose heart in those that are close to the end of their, yeah. end of their career. Like, I'm glad I'm retiring. Right. And then others of us, it's like, oh, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. So, but it's been, I mean, we've used it in our office quite a bit. and yeah. And... It's been very helpful 
it's great for research. It's great for getting getting started on a subject, especially in those areas we talked about earlier. Like if students have gaps, this could be a tool that helps fill those gaps because it yeah, it's it a great can. Point. So to recap our tech tools from this episode, and we have a laundry list more, but we'll share those in our show notes. Also, some of my cohort from Boise shared some as well, so I'll be sure to put those in there, um, the show notes as well for you to look at. I mentioned Flip, asynchronous video discussion, Mentimeter, which is a slide presenter with some interaction from your participants, and Adobe Podcast to clean up audio. Rob likes Grammarly, AI writing assistant, Canvas quizzing for formative assessment, and of course, ChatGPT4, which is our next topic of conversation. When we talk over the summer, we're going to be discussing ChatGPT. I don't know what direction we're going to go in, but I think we'll spend all summer talking amongst ourselves about some practical ways of using it, some, yeah. some impediments that are definitely going to be there. We're going to talk with some instructors as well who have used ChatGPT and get their insights on it. But that's our next series. It's all about ChatGPT. Are you looking forward to it? Uh, I am. I'm a little terrified. I am as well. All right. That sounds, <laughs> sounds great. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.